Good morning, everybody. Good morning. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Adam Truax. I'm usually uh, up there leading worship. And can you guys give it up for the worship team today? I mean, these guys week in, week out, show up at rehearsal and show up on Sunday mornings and set all this junk up and just give of their gifts and talents. And it's, uh, it's, uh, I was sitting back there watching, um, watching them play, and I was just going, you know what? God is so good, right? He's so good because he gives us each something to do. And when we use it for his glory, it's a beautiful picture of who God is, right? It's a beautiful picture of what God can do in the lives of his people. And so it was just, uh, I was back there just worshiping and just saw that, and it was just something I needed to tell you um, right off the top. But to change subjects ever so slightly. Do we have any Seinfeld fans in the house? Anybody? Seinfeld fans, right? In college, um, I watched a lot of Seinfeld. Like, so, like, I've seen every episode so many times, and I could quote you so many lines from, in my everyday life, I just say lines from Seinfeld out loud, and if people get it, I'm, like, immediately their best friend, right? If the, if, if they get that as I'm having a conversation with them. But the, my favorite thing about Seinfeld is you never know, well, I know because I've seen every episode, but if you haven't seen it, you never know what's going to happen in the lives of these four random people in New York City from week to week. You never know what they're going to be. Kramer might be the Marlboro Man in one episode, or he might be a Calvin Klein underwear model. We don't know what he's going to be. But from week to week to week, these people put on different personalities. They put on different um, jobs. They put on different things for themselves in their everyday crazy life, and it makes no sense. So just for real, just for fun, because I love this show so much, let's watch 25 seconds of them looking ridiculous in different things. You guys cool with that? All right, check this out real quick. Switching the eye patch from one eye to the other is just brilliant. Um, but that show, they're always changing character, right? They're always trying to be something different in order to get something in their, in their everyday lives. And I think for us today, as we dig into this, these, these two verses that we're going to read here in a little bit, um, I want you guys to remember this, that they called that show the show about nothing, for a reason. That their constant trying to be something that they're not caused that show to literally be about nothing. Right? And I think every day in our lives, we can very easily try and change who we are, change how God created us in order to get a better job or get somebody to like us a little bit more or whatever it might be. But when we put on a personality or put on a persona, an identity that is not of God, our lives become about nothing in that moment. 
So I just want you guys to remember that as we move forward this morning. That's the last I'm going to talk about Seinfeld. But when I was digging into this, that's what hit my head. That our lives need to be about something and not about nothing, right? Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at just two verses, verses 9 and 10. We're just going to kind of hang out there today. But I'm going to explain a couple things to how I got to these two verses personally. So when we were planning this sermon series called Stirred, we we were saying, okay, what in the lives of the people who are speaking up front, what is God stirring inside of them, right? What is God stirring inside of them? What's God teaching them? What's God doing in their lives? And for me, for a while, I was like, I don't know, because I was just doing the work. I was leading worship every Sunday morning. I was preparing other things constantly, and I was not taking a whole ton of time to ask God, hey, what are you stirring in me? And so I kind of put, uh, I put something on pause, and I started to read a book. Um, and it's a book about kind of understanding your personality and how that relates to your spiritual relationship to God how your individual personality can relate to your spiritual relationship to God. And, and this, this, this book and this kind of thought process of personalities kind of breaks people down into different personality types, right? We've heard of Myers-Briggs, but that's really kind of psychological in nature. But this is more spiritual in nature, and it breaks people down into nine different groups, nine different types. And the type that I found myself resonating with most was called... Um, the investigator. It was somebody who was very, uh, really liked to understand the world that he lived in. So that person would spend a lot of time uh, doing research, maybe not in depth, but just enough so that he would understand the world that he lived in so that they could kind of control it ever so slightly. So they were never taken by surprise, that nothing ever made them uncomfortable, right? And so I found myself resonating with this. And for me, as I was resonating with it, another thing that it talks about is that this personality type is incredibly, incredibly self-sufficient to the point where they could probably get through life without interacting with anybody else on a daily basis. And I found, found myself being like, yes, that is me, right? I can, I can get up in the morning and get what I need to get done, Here's, tell me, tell me tell you this. At work, my favorite days are days where I don't talk to anybody till noon. Does that make sense? I can get in and I can get stuff done. I can get the work done that needs to be done, right? Those are my favorite days. I love y'all. I love talking to y'all, but you wear me out, right? When I leave a big group situation, I'm exhausted. That's another part of my personality. And so as I was reading this, I realized that because (coughs) I function in this very self-sufficient way where I don't ask others for help and I might not acknowledge that I need anything from anybody else in this world, what I end up doing for myself is I end up pushing away God and doing everything on my own, right? And so as I'm reading this book, I'm just coming to this realization that I'm the reason that I'm not trusting God with everything. 
It's not external circumstances. It's not other things going on in my life. But it's me, myself, not looking to God when those needs come up. It's not looking to God every day and being in relationship with him. Because I felt comfortable and at ease in this place where I could control everything. Does that make sense? Everybody on board with me? So that's where I landed this this morning. Was I was looking at this book and I was reading this book and I was going, okay, so if I am being very self-sufficient on my own, hoarding my time and my privacy and everything else, I'm missing out on what God has for me. So what does God have for me? I had to kind of remind myself because I had the head knowledge of what God has for me because I'm an investigator and I know those things. Like I know them, but I don't know them in my heart. I'm not living in those things. And so I had to kind of remember what it is that God has for me. And so I ended up in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's read these things really quickly. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, for me, those two verses kind of opened up my heart to God again. Kind of opened me up to understand who God is again in my world. So this message, you might be going like, I don't understand any of it, but it might not be for you to even hear. It might just be for me to say it out loud. But this is what God has been stirring inside of me in the past month or so. Everybody on board with me? Let me tell you one more silly story. Nora, my daughter, she'll be three next month. Um, The past couple months, her imagination went from like not having one to having the most vivid imagination possible overnight, right? It was crazy. And so right now, all that that we are doing around the house is playing the two movies that she's seen over and over again. And those movies are Frozen and Moana. So she just goes around the house telling you, you're the you're the, the daddy. You're 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 you you're, this is how Nora talks. You're 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 the daddy. Mommy's the mommy and I'm Anna. And our dog, we have a, we got a new dog. The dog is uh what's the reindeer's name? Sven. The dog is Sven, right? And in her mind, all I have to do is close the door, change my voice and walk in and I am a different person to her. Right? I'm a completely different person to her. So the other day I was downstairs um, and she was upstairs with her mom and they were playing in her her bedroom monitor. I could hear them playing and I knew they were playing Frozen and she yells down the stairs, Dad, you're the king. Okay. So up the stairs I come and I change my voice and I say, where are my princesses? And she is immediately changed. 
who I am in her eyes, right? And I think just to go back to this idea of changing who we are, it's really easy for us to do that. We can do it like the craziness that is Seinfeld, or we can do it as the imagination of a three-year-old, or we can do it in our everyday lives to make ourselves feel better or safe. And for me, I was making myself feel safe by, by, by being a person who's in, always in control. I was making myself feel safe. So as we dig into this, just kind of think to yourself, how do I see myself? Do I see myself the way these two verses lay it out, or do I see myself differently? So just as we dig through these things, think through those things. So, so let's dig in. We have to understand who we are because it's paramount so that we live lives that glorify God. And this verse, this verse 9 starts off very simply, but you are a chosen people. And we have to understand that we are chosen. That God has chosen us, not because of our color or our creed or be or because of anything that we've done for ourselves, but because of his never-ending love for us and his mercy for our lives, God's chosen us. And so what God is saying here is you need to stop thinking of yourself as an outcast because when you've been chosen on his team, you're no longer an outcast, you're part of it. So we have to identify that we're chosen. And for me, I had to identify that I'm not on my own. I'm not on my own. I don't have to do it all. I've been chosen by God. I'm a part of his team. And it's not anything that I've done to earn that. It's that he loves me and wants me to be a part of what he's got going on. Everybody on board with that? Head nods? Yeah? We're chosen. Chosen people. Jump down to the very end of verse 10. It says this. Once you've not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you've not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God did not just choose us arbitrarily. He did not just choose us to be a part of his family just because. He chose us because he saw a need in our lives for his mercy. And the only thing that can fill a need in our lives for his mercy is his mercy. So God has shown us mercy. So we've been chosen and we've been mercied by an almighty God. Our God loves us so much that he gives us forgiveness when we don't deserve forgiveness. He shows us grace when we don't deserve grace. He's chosen us and he's given us mercy when we don't deserve either one of those things. And for me, in my life, I had to understand again and again and again that God has shown mercy on me. That I don't have to keep trying to do things the right way because I have mercy in my life. That's not to say that God doesn't want me to live a holy life, but he doesn't ask me to try and reconcile things on my own. Instead, he gives me his mercy to reconcile those things in my life so that I don't have to worry about it. You see, for me, my life was always about me. 
and it, and it will be. I, we will fall back into this. And it's about protecting me and my self-control. But God is saying, I got that. I got that. You've chosen and you've been shown mercy. Stop trying to spin your wheels. John Piper said this in one of his sermons. My identity is fundamentally this, that I've been shown mercy and I am a mercied person. I get my identity not first from my actions, but from being acted upon. That my identity does not come from my own works, from my own ways of trying to do things, but my identity comes from the actions of an almighty father upon me. That was what I needed this past month, was that God is in control of these things and not me. That God has given me mercy and that my identity rests in his actions and not my own actions. We belong to God. Let's read this again. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are God's special possession because he has chosen us, because he has shown us mercy in our lives. We now belong to him as his special possession. And then it might seem odd because we don't think of possession in that way when we think of humans that, ooh, I own this person, right? In a human way that doesn't make sense. But what God is saying to us by saying, you're my special possession is that I want to spend eternity in relationship with you. It's not that he owns us. It's not that he wants to control us. It's that he wants to have a relationship with us for all of eternity. And he doesn't just say uh, kind of uh, just a a run-of-the-mill relationship. No, he says you are his special possession, his prized possession. He wants to have an intimate, close relationship with you and with me. And I needed to recognize that in my life this past month. That it wasn't just me reading scripture and understanding who God is, but that God wanted something more for me. He wanted something more for my life. He wanted me to dig in deep in relationship with him. And digging in deep in relationship is something that me and my self-controlling personality doesn't do very well. I struggle at building deep relationships. And building a deep relationship with God is something that God calls me to. So we've been chosen, we've been shown mercy, and we belong to God. And now, because of those three things, we have access to him. We are a chosen people and a royal priesthood and a holy nation. We're God's special possession. We don't have to jump through any hoops to reach out in relationship to God anymore. Because we've been shown mercy, our lives are no longer separated from God. 
And we don't have to go to somebody else and say, hey, would you talk to God on my behalf? Or hey, would you go uh, maybe pray for me because of this? No, we can on our own reach out to our Father, our God, and say, hey, God, I'm struggling with this right now. Or hey, God, I want to praise you for this right now. See, we've been given access, 100% access to God the Father. And we have to understand that as our identity. We have to understand that as who we are, we have access to the creator of the universe. What a joy that is. What a joy that is. We can live in that relationship with him. You see, for me, I was constantly trying to just do things on my own. Well, I mean, I could, uh, I, I can lead worship without trying. I've been doing it for over half of my life. I can lead worship without trying. But when I do that, I miss out on what God wants for me in that. So trusting God that he's in control of all things is a huge thing for me. It's something that I've had to learn, something that has been stirring inside of me over these past month and a half or so. So what does this mean? We've been chosen, we've been shown mercy, we belong to God, and we have access to God. So what's the purpose of all of this? Well, it it lays it out there at the end of verse 9, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Our purpose is to praise him who called us. John Piper says this in that same sermon I quoted earlier. In other words, he's given us our identity in order that his identity might be proclaimed through us. He's given us this identity that we've been chosen, we've been mercied, we belong to him, we have access to him, not so that we might be puffed up, so that he might be puffed up, so that he might be made bigger in the lives of those around us. When we truly live understanding how God created us and what God has done in our lives, our lives reflect his identity to the world around us. And it's a beautiful thing. Last night I was um, at the family fun thing and I was just watching people do their thing around here. And I've, I've told this person this many a times, but... Um, Bunny was, he cooked all that food for everybody last night and for the serve day event a couple weeks ago. And I went to him and I said, Bunny, God created you to share a meal with people. And when people get to share a meal with each other, they have conversations. And that conversation can show off the love of God to the world. And I got to watch Bunny. He was just sitting back watching people eat with a grin on his face. Stupid little grin on his face. That's right, Bunny. And I just, I was standing maybe 50 feet from him and I was like, God created Bunny to serve people meals. And it's who he was. It's who he is. And Bunny was living that out. And for me, it reflected God's love to me in that moment. 
You see, when we live our lives in, in the identity that God has called us to, our lives reflect that to the world. And my prayer for myself has been, how can I make God bigger in my everyday by letting go of control? How can I make God bigger in my everyday by letting go of control? And let me tell you this, it is hard for me because if, if you are a person who likes control in your life, it's hard to let it go and let chaos maybe happen. It's tough. It's hard. And so for me, I've had to kind of wrestle with that over the past six weeks or so of just okay, God, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let you, you got it. You know, I could do this and fix the problem, but that's not what you're asking me to do. You're asking me to trust you in that. And, and, and for me, even preparing for this Sunday, um, this week, uh, on Tuesday, my wife decided to get like super, super ill with like a crazy uh, food bug situation. And then on Wednesday, I woke up with a lovely cold that you're still hearing the remnants of. And Friday, I literally couldn't talk. Friday. And I'm going, God, you don't have to like knock me down to make me learn to trust you. But he does sometimes. So then Friday night, my voice is getting stronger and I'm like, okay. All right, I got this. You know, we'll be able to do this talk on Sunday. No big deal. But I'm also still in charge of kind of what's going on up here for worship. And I get a text message from Olivia who says, Hey, Adam, sorry to tell you this, but my voice is gone and I can't sing tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, God, I had it under control. I had it under control. We were going to be fine. My voice was back. We were going to do great. And God said, nope, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. And God has put people in place to, to kind of fill in the gaps where that was missing in worship this morning. And, and, and God was still glorified. Even though it wasn't my plan, it was his plan. And his worship was still full of joy and full of his glory. Right, for me, I have to learn how to trust God with this identity. And when I learn to trust God with this identity, my life changes. So for us, how do we do this? So often our own thoughts get in the way of trusting God. We put a blanket on of who we think we are. We put this kind of blanket on of I'm in control or we put a blanket on of like, hey, I am a, I'm a person who if anything happens in my life, anything that might be difficult in my life, I'm immediately just fall apart and, and go running to other people. Or maybe you're a personality type where you do reach out to other people in need, but God is saying, hey, what are you doing? I got this, trust me with that. Or maybe you're a person, when stuff starts to get difficult, you reach for something else. You put on a blanket of who we think we should be. Instead of putting on this blanket of this identity, we get in our own way all too often. Last night, I was <clears throat> at the church office after I left the, the 
thing out here in the parking lot. I headed up to the church office um, to kind of print out some stuff for this morning and just kind of be in prayer and, and kind of go over this message one more time. And I'm sitting, if you know the church office, the workroom on the second floor, there's no blinds on the windows and you can see out over kind of the parking area and there's the, the dumpster is over here off to the left, and I'm sitting there, and I'm at this point, I'm kind of saying the sermon out loud, um, and I'm at this point in the sermon, and this giant, I mean the fattest raccoon you've ever seen shows up. This thing was massive. I was like, I was like I'm not going outside for a little while. This, <laughs> this thing's big. And I watched this raccoon find its way to the top of the dumpster. I don't know how he got up there. But all of a sudden, he's on top of the dumpster, and it's the dumpster where the lids lift up like this. And he's standing in the middle of it. There's two lids, and he's lifting up one of the lids, but he's standing on the lid that he's lifting, which seems like a problem, right? And he gets his head in, and then he kind of like tries to dive in, but his own weight slams the door shut, and he pops his head back out. And he does this like five or six times. Right, where he's like, oh man, there's some wonderful scraps of whatever deliciousness in there. And then, boom, he slams the door shut on himself. And I think for me and for all of us, we do that with God. Where we say, God, we're gonna trust you completely. We're gonna, I'm all in, God, I'm trusting you. I know who I am, I know how you created me. I'm gonna trust you. My old like, way of thinking about myself is no longer there. And you throw the door open to the trust and to the love of God, and then all of a sudden you, you shoulder it shut again. I do it all the time. Where my own flesh gets in the way of trusting God. And what God is saying to us is keep opening the door because this raccoon he eventually got to the smorgasbord that is inside of that it was difficult and it was tough and learning how to open the dumpster lid to get into there took him a little while maybe 10-15 minutes And for us, learning to trust God completely in your life is going to probably take a little while. It's going to be a long road. God can just open the floodgates and you can trust him completely day one. But inevitably, what ends up happening is we get in our own way and we stop trusting him. And we become a giant fat raccoon on top of a dumpster trying to get to the gold that God has for us. God wants us to be completely in relationship with him. And when we fail at that, we have to keep trying to get back there. We have to keep leaning in to him every day. You see, I'm learning how to trust God over and over and over again. I know who I am and I know my purpose and I'm trusting those things. I'm leaning into those things more and more every day. And God is asking us this, these questions. Do you remember, do you remember that I chose you Do you remember when I showed you mercy? Do you remember when I forgave you? Do you remember 
that you're my prized possession, that I want to take you everywhere with me? Do you remember that you have access to me, that you're in relationship with him? Because all too often we forget those things. All too often. And God is saying, just remember, I'm here. Just remember, just trust me. So as we kind of wrap up the message portion of this morning, I want you to think about those things. And we're going to have a time of reflection. And the, the worship team is going to come up and the lights are going to go down and some soft little music is going to play in the background. And what I want you guys to do is either just to think on some questions that I'm going to ask you or to jot some things down. Just to think or to jot some things down. So the first thing I want you to think about is this. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as you see you or as the world sees you or as God sees you? And I'm not asking do you have head knowledge head knowledge of who God is for you, but truly, how do you, you in your heart, how do you see yourself? Because for me, this was a revelation. Next question to think about is this. Do you trust God? Not just with the hard stuff. Not just for whenever there's a, somebody in the hospital or whenever life has thrown you the biggest boulder in the world that you've got to dodge. But with the everyday, do you trust him? Do you trust God to, to take care of stuff? Do you lean into him or do you try and do things of your own accord? Because for me in my life, learning to trust God over and over and over again is something that I have come to realize I need to do every day. And my last question for you is, are you ready to give God your identity? And are you ready to give God your trust? See, some of you today might be going, I don't even know what it means to be chosen or to be shown mercy. I don't even know what that means. These, these church words. And God is saying this to us in this place today. Your sin has separated you from me. Your sin has separated you from God. My sin has separated me from God. And I have a need to be in relationship with him because that's how he created me. And in order for me to be in relationship with him, I have to accept his mercy in my life. I have to accept 
that he's chosen me in my life and I need to accept that I belong to him in my life. Some of you today, you've not done that ever. You've never said, yes, God, I'm completely in. I'm all in. I trust you with these things. I know that I have a need for you in my life and I want you to fill it. And God is saying today, I'm ready. I'm ready to fill that need. And some of you today are going, I don't even know how this sermon strikes me. It doesn't make sense for me. And I hear the whispers of God saying, trust me even more than you already do. Trust me even more. Lean even farther out into my open arms because I've got it. And we're going to sing a song that we sang earlier this morning. We're going to sing kind of the ending of it here in a moment. And it starts with these words. You will always be more than enough for me. And as we sing that this morning, as we sing that to God this morning, let it be your heart. Let it be your heart. Let it be your soul. God, you will always be more than enough for me. You will always be more than I could ever need. You will always be in control when I think I'm in control. You will always be over the craziness in my life and the mundane in my life. God, you will always be more than enough and nothing can stop you. And so as we stand here in just a moment and worship God, let that be your heart. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you because in my life, I needed this. In my life, God, I needed this. I needed to learn how to trust you even more. God, I needed to get out of my own head and get out of my own control and my own self-sufficiency, God, and trust you. And so, God, I pray I I thank you for giving me this. And I pray that these words aren't just for me, that they're for your entire people. God, I pray that as we worship this morning, that you are more than enough, that we sing that with full voices and full hearts and just acknowledge to the glory, how amazing your glory is, how amazing your love is for us, that you chose us, you showed us mercy, you We belong to you, and you give us relationship with you. We have access to you, God, and we have a purpose to reflect all of those things to the world around us. And you've promised that you will do those things for us. And you don't ever break your promises. And so, God, as we sing this morning, fill this room with your glory. As we sing this morning, change our hearts. As we sing this morning, let us trust you more. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and let's worship together.